0: He thought that my wife and I uh, could minister to the church, and so here I am. Um, One you know, of the first times he talked to me, why um, he said, "So why did you have 12 children? You know, what's your purpose? Um, what can you say to my congregation to encourage them to populate fruitfully?" He feels like there's, in some ways, a waning of the core principles and desires of uh, growing a a church and a community. And then third, uh, he said, could you please talk to my congregation about how you process grief and struggle? So those are the three bullet points, um, or or kind of the the questions that I hope to address today. Um, I'm going to start with a certain amount of my testimony. Um, I hope it doesn't get too long-winded, because typically if I do start talking, I don't shut up. Um, <laughs> so who am I um, I'm John Orby Pogue uh, got my name from my two grandfathers You know, don't ask me where Orby came from but it is what it is so good names um, from my youngest so to, to, to start to address the question about why did you have 12 children in the realm of, of the Christian walk all of us face this reality of having a calling, whether we know it or not. We have a ministry that's applied to us. And I recognize now, at 48, that from my tiniest memories, I wanted to be married and have a family. That was my purpose. Um, so as I was growing up, you know, I was looking at all the other little girls going, which one's the right one? You know? And I'm saying that at six, seven, eight, nine years old, um, that was my purpose the The concept of a career was less important to me, I think, because even at a very early age, I had an understanding that the Lord will supply that that didn't need to be the that didn't need to be my focus because well, to start with my own personal abilities is I'm kind of one of those jack of all trades guys that just kind of whatever I set my hand to usually works out um, so From that, based on that principle, as I got older, um, it became more, more real to me. And the girls in my area weren't really—they were normal Christian, you know, young ladies. And I read the story in the Bible where he sends his servant after a wife, and uh, you know, that kind of resonated with me. And I was having a conversation with my dad, and and we've always, dairy farming has always been really closely associated with our reality. And anybody that has a dairy farm or been on a dairy farm knows you don't go anywhere. I mean, it's a dairy farm. Um, The only reason I'm here today is I have 12 children. Uh, That's the truth. Um, We, from from those earliest realities, that was my purpose. And... The dairy farm allows a very good perspective to raise children in, is the way I kind of see it. And uh, so my dad had been going down to feast down to Skippers. Uh, my older brother would I sh- should was, I should say. And then my dad was debating whether to go, and you, know, you gotta know my dad. He was a guy that, you know, really good heart, but, you know, talk himself out of something very quickly after, you know, purpose to do it you might say and so he was waffling whether he should go away or not and I said well dad I tell you what you get down there and you find me a wife well now he had his ears up boy dad thought that was a cool idea <laughs> and he came back with two names and I married one of them <laughs> so the Lord is in that too I'm just saying um, I have no regrets whatsoever she's been a wonderful wonderful help Um I stand here today I'm not perfect um I chose not to wear my suit because this is the man my father, my children see. This is their father. Okay, this is my normal, everyday clothes. Um, This is what they're used to seeing. And so that was an intentional choice on my part. (sighs) Yahweh says to be fruitful and multiply. To, To kind of fill in some of the details of the story, Our first occurrence coming to the Church of Israel was '80 or '81, 1980 or '81. My father, just before that, had been to one of these meetings, and I can—my dad didn't get excited about things much, but he came home one day. You'd have thought the Lord had turned all the lights on in the house. Uh, He was just ecstatic, and us kids are—I was like eight or nine at the time—and us kids are like, "What is the matter with Dad? What is he so happy about?" You know, dads don't do that. And he says, y'all don't understand. We are Israel. We're Israel. And, and I went, okay, so? I can remember as a little kid. I was like, so what? I, I don't get it. He says, no, you don't understand. He says, everything I've ever been taught just changed. And I use the term now, 30 years later, it was a paradigm shift. My dad's paradigm shifted. His purpose became entirely different same bible same church same people he's interacting with completely different paradigm it changed our life yeah. we came down here several times my two sisters were married in the old church and then there was a period of 20 25 years that dairy farm children family <laughs> we hadn't been back um, a few years ago when uh, Martin and Andrea moved down here with, you know, the Ohana situation down south, and then Martin was a very good friend of mine out in Oregon when we went out there for a while. We were out there for six years by, by Azure standard, and he was very welcoming, and so he started talking to me. He said, John, you need to come down to dance, and I was like, well, okay. Um, We'll see what we can do. No, you need to come down to dance. This is working. This is this is happening. It's a church community. I said, well, you know, going by the hardheads that we've had in Israel for the last forty years, it'd sure be nice if something happens good, um, because at this point, I'm kind of tired of everybody bickering, and that is the realm. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. That is why I withdrew. Okay, old men can't get along, and it's got to stop put aside your swords and nurture with the spirit and let the sword sharpening happen on a far more gentle basis so that's just a little <laughs> extra <laughs> that one's for free <laughs> so um, career with secondary my wife has been a, a real a blessing in the sense that one of the things that people will hear me talk about when I'm talking about young men and what they should do is, you know, as far as finding a mate, as far as living a life, young men have to build a vision. That vision has to be sourced right from the heart of God. Okay? It can't be your father's vision. It can't be your parent, your, your grandparents' vision. It has to be the relationship you have with the Heavenly Father. Now, they've laid down that, hopefully, hopefully, they've laid down that structure where that's where you're coming from. But it's gotta be their faith. So a young man approaching me, which hasn't yet, but a young man approaching me, seeking my daughter's hand in marriage, is gonna have to cross that bridge. What is your vision, son? What are you doing with your life? And in, you know, opposite to that, what's the young lady's position? She should be coming in alongside him to support that vision. To help me to help help to accomplish the vision that the Yahweh has put for that young man to live that 's our purposes that 's our principle, and no parents, no grandparents, no church should get in between that relationship that needs to be holy in and of itself and that's that 's my position on that, both in my own marriage and in what I see my children coming. one of the major bridges for a young man to cross coming to me for one of my daughters is going to be, are you going to raise... I'm giving a, I'm probably giving away a secret here, but whatever. Are you going to raise my grandchildren in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Okay. If you all look back, as much as I respect and honor and love this church and its congregation, none of us believed what we did 100 years ago. None of us. We don't believe what we did 40 years ago. There's been changes. There's certain principles that are the same, very certain principles, and those are very honorable. But certain specifics have changed through the centuries. And that's the way that I intend to secure my children in the kingdom, is, if my, is are those son-in-laws going to fight and live and struggle to create a holy realm for their family to live in? That's what we have to do. So, why do I have 12 children? Because the Lord gave them to me. It's, it's that simple. I, he, he joined me with a woman that was willing to do it. Has it been easy? No, it's not. We are flawed people. This is not an easy process. At 25 years of marriage, we find out we have more differences than we did at four years of marriage because now you have this whole ledger of offenses. You know, <laughs> Now you have to work your way through. Yeah, I did, I did mess that up five years ago. I'm really, really sorry. You know, But we need to really realize that the Lord is sovereign in that, and that should be our goal. I want to emphasize the importance of honoring covenants in the tough times. And it's been brought out this week here by numerous people, that covenantal relationship. That is what will save us. That is what will carry us through the difficult times. Without that, we cannot accomplish anything by and of ourselves. The Lord God, the sovereign entity of all the ages, is taking care of us if we're serving him. We have to recognize that aside from the daily struggles, he is there constantly. I want to emphasize the value of children. Does anybody really remember what that math looks like? I have 12 children today. Each one of them has 12 children. Each one of them has 12 children. Five generations later, they walk out a massive force out of Egypt. Okay, If we want to change this country, that's where we change this country. Have children. Have wives. The women need to be willing to ignore what the world has to say and step up and be a helpmeet against the grain. The men need to put aside the worldly temptations and be men, men of God. Step up. Be righteous. That's our obligation before the Lord. Once you stand up and you know, take a position, then be prepared to stand accountable for your beliefs and opinions. The stronger they are, the more accountable you must be. None of this stuff comes for free. Every step forward has to be done from a position of I am righteous before the Lord because of the Lord, by the salvation of the Lord. Why do I have 12 children? Because the Lord has called me to it. He's fulfilled the desires of my heart. He's created a realm that has allowed me to flourish in that way. And here I stand before you today, a redeemed Christian. Okay, therefore... Those that are redeemed say so. I'm saying so right now. I am not the man I should be, but I'm far more the man of God because of God than I could ever be without him. Be a man of God. Choose life. Choose God. Every single day. He He is faithful to his people. Challenge him to support your needs. Use God as being a leverage point of your next step. Lord, I seek you, I desire you, show me how to make this happen. Yes. That needs to be a core principle. You're calling me, make it happen for me. I I am here, I serve, I, I am willing. So that was one of the questions, you know, early on, backing up a little bit, is that I can remember fairly early on as I was called to have a family one of the questions that came to my mind is, what would you have me to do, Lord? Okay? I still ask that question today. And that needs to be one of a man's core questions. What would you have me to do, Lord? Help me to be the man you need me to be. Not who I would be naturally. So, one of the, I've got some bullet points in here that my children have heard me say, and I'm going to read through them kind of quick. And then I'm going to go back and kind of fill in. You'll kind of see what I'm getting at. So, uh, things like it's all just stuff. Never underestimate the power of the tongue, there will be enough. Pay the tithe of your heart first. Power to praise, echo praise, be the name go to church especially when you don't feel like it except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of heaven be humble and kind practice the pause what is the script in your head train and discipline yourself in the value of repentance train and discipline your children the value of repentance what does rebellion look like always be truthful Love them to the other side. Eat crow while it's still warm. <laughs> Be transparent. Truth survives in the light. Show a heart of submission to the, Jesus, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to your children, and they will see a form of Christ. Seek to find the inconvenient truths in your life. Absolute inconvenient truths then change. So in addressing the struggles, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. Um, I had seven children a number of years ago, this was in 2007, I think, and our house burned down. I had seven children, there was $77 in my bank account, Um, didn't have any insurance. Um, You know, we're sovereign. We don't do any of the world stuff, you know. Um, I was facing a time in my life like I never expected to see. And uh, so it was was a struggle. It was a reality that made me come to grips with myself. And there's a lot more to the story than I probably have time to share right now. But I'll share this this aspect of it, that in the recovery days afterwards, um, there was a moment in time that i I didn't know what to do as a man, I was out of answers. Um, there was nothing left of John <laughs> um, and uh, I can remember it real distinctly yet that, as I was seeking the Lord with tears streaming down my face, I was on an outside task out in the field, and literally I'm just just tears were streaming down my face, and no sobs, just just. Years, And uh, the voice of heaven said, there will be enough. And there's always been enough. Stand on that promise. There will be enough. You're facing this, I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. There will be enough. And he has been faithful. Has it always been perfect? No. You can come to my house, you can find all kinds of problems. But there will be enough. The Lord has been faithful and sovereign every step of the way. So I want to go back to the, it's all just stuff. My family, you can talk about family culture or generational curses, my family has a problem with collecting stuff. Okay? Stuff. So at the point in time, just before the house fire, I had like three sisters... Household goods in my shed. My machinery is sitting out in the field getting rained on while their stuff is piled up in the shed and had been for years. And I was kind of at the end of it. I was like, you know what, come and get your stuff. Yeah. You know, enough is enough. It's all just stuff. Well, you know, we need to do this, and then there's grandma's stuff, and that. It's all just stuff. And man, I beat that drum. Okay, it's all just stuff. <sighs> the house we were living in needed some major repairs. So now this ties in, be careful of the power of the tongue. Numerous times I made this offhand sarcastic comment, I'm tired of it, I should just toss a match in when I walk away someday. So, standing there watching my house burn, I have that ringing in my head, never say that again. (laughs) Okay? The Lord tested me. It's all just stuff, John, right? I lost everything in that house. Burned to a hole in the ground. With seven children and $77, the Lord held me accountable to my own proclamation. All right? Now, will, I, will, will you seek me now, John? Okay? I don't, I don't pertain to say this is a Job experience, but it's as close as I've had. <laughs> it's close enough for me. Okay? But my point is, in that, we need to seek him. It is really all just stuff. Seek him in the everyday. Never underestimate the power of the tongue. One of the other beautiful things that I've been held accountable for saying is I'm tired of this whole world. Someday I'm just going to move on the backside of a mountain somewhere. Fast forward a few years after having several, said that several times. One thing leads to another. Talk to David Stelzer. I have a farm out in Kimberly that needs to be managed. It's on the backside of three mountains. Okay, So once again, I was held accountable to what I said. Be careful what you say, men. The Lord may hold you accountable to it. Covenant. If I'm going to have a covenant relationship with the Lord, I'm going to be held to those covenants. If he's telling me to be careful what I say, I need to be careful what I say. There's no getting around this. You cannot wish it away. Now, there's tremendous benefits to that covenantal relationship. He's saved me in every moment of my stupidity. But you've got to acknowledge him every step of the way. The value of struggle. Most folks look at struggle as being a negative thing. It is not. It is not. Get that through your head as soon as possible. It is not. Yahweh has designed struggle to be our way of purifying, to get through to a better time. Christina and I lost a little fella while we were out in Oregon, and we had to take the advice of elder Christians in our community, and they gave us a book, Power to Praise. And in that, this author expands upon the whole concept of praise for every single thing. You have a queer son, praise God for that. Okay, I hope I just picked the most crazy thing I could have said here, right? No, seriously. Seriously. Yahweh is sovereign over that soul. That soul may die, it may die, but praise God that he is sovereign. So we have had to learn by action to praise intentionally when we don't feel like it. Yeah. Okay? So the day I came home and Christina says, John, I think I'm going to lose the baby. The Lord has told me I'm going to lose the baby. I knew the very next words out of my mouth would define the trajectory of the family's response. The next words out of my mouth was, Yahweh giveth and Yahweh take us away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was the hardest thing I've ever said. But it set the tone that we could move forward. And my wife has a wonderful story about everything that went on there that is that's well, a whole, <laughs> whole book in and of itself. But we grew greatly through that. And that's part of this processing grief. It's part of this reality that the Lord will comfort those. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? What does that look like? I'm not talking, you know, what the world may paint. I'm saying the comforter. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Do you know what it means to be in the worst agony and feel a still, small voice that ministers to you when there is no reason to be ministered to you? The Lord is sovereign. Okay, He's sovereign for his people. We didn't get here because we chose to go. We got here because he chose to draw us. And it's up to us to follow that leading. Amen. Make righteousness and love for Yahweh your focus and he will supply all your needs through Christ Jesus. Um, pay the tithe of your heart first. So, Martin was touching on it the other day, and I, and I cautioned not to put words in his mouth, but I'll say how I took it. We have the law. We have Jesus Christ's redemption. And as valuable as that is, I, can't, I cannot minimize how valuable that is, but the point that's actually, I think, the next step forward, do we have a marriage relationship with the Lamb? Are we prepared to serve him and help meet him? The men, you men. Are you ready to be a help meat to God's kingdom? His vision. Now, that doesn't sound very masculine, but I'm not the one that wrote it. Okay? I didn't make these rules. God called us to do that. What you men expect of your wives, are you prepared to do that for the Lord? Well, honey, just do it my way. I'm the one, I'm top dog here, I'm the one that said it. Right. Are you men willing to hold yourselves accountable to that? And before anyone looks at their father or looks around at their uncle or their mother or whatever, are you doing it in your realm? You daughters, you sons. Okay? So, raise children. Why would we raise children this time? <laughs> Why wouldn't we? Is it any worse now than it was in Egypt? We were instructed, back to the covenantal relationship, to build houses. Go forth, build houses. The Lord will supply. Will it be a struggle? Okay, go back to point number three above. It's going to be a struggle. Accept it. It's supposed to be a struggle. Can we make it better? Yeah, build communities. Okay, protect ourselves a little bit. Create a culture within and of ourselves that says we're taking care of each other's needs. The Amish and the Mennonites have proven it can be done. What are we waiting for? Okay, I'm not saying everything they're doing is right, but I'm saying there's some effective principles that they're applying that's building communities, and we should probably try and glean from that. (sighs) Defy tyrants by our submission to the Lord. Grow an army of the Lord. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. Do you have faith? Do you have faith that you will find a wife? Do you have faith you will find a husband? Do you have faith you can raise your children? Do you have faith? That there will be enough to eat do you have faith that he will supply a home when it burns down right in front of your eyes do you have faith do you have faith to praise him when you're losing your child do you have faith to praise him when nothing's going right praise him then that's when it matters we can sit here when everything's peachy keen and hunky-dory and we can talk about praising the Lord, and that is good. He hears the prayers and praises of his saints. But, you know, think about it. From a parent's perspective, I have no greater joy than to see and hear that my children walk in truth. If my child takes my discipline and looks at me and says, I love you, Dad, thank you, there is no greater honor. That shows a heart relationship with my child that is built over long periods of positive times. If we're having problem in our young people today, I challenge you men my age, us older men, what are we doing wrong? What aren't we building with a relationship with our children? What are we expecting of them that's not building a pathway to Christ? What are we doing wrong? What is faith? Do you truly have it? If not, what are you doing to change that? To to fully experience faith, we have to walk that path. We can't just hope it's going to happen. We have to test the Lord and his truth and his promises. We have to stand before him accountable. We have to perform on our side of the covenant. Holy Spirit, do you have the Holy Spirit indwelling? I touched on this a little bit ago, but I'm going to do it again. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a comforter. That is that voice inside that helps us through this. If we don't have that relationship, you will not perform as well as you could, period. Okay. We're tapping into the very heart and mind of God with the Holy Spirit. And that comes to us most of the time, in my personal experience, as still small voice, a quietness, which is accomplished by seeking him with my utmost my utmost for his highest. Amen. Is that as good as another man? Not necessarily. I, I can't say that I have you know, a large congregation. I have 12 children. But I will serve him for the good of those 12 children with my everything. Amen. Every single day. Okay? The Holy Spirit brings to us heavenly peace in the earthly paradigm. That's part of the struggle. Praise him. Expect him, desire him, receive him. Marriage relationship right there, guys. Okay, what do we want to see out of our wives? I want to see her greet me. I want to see her be happy that I'm here. What are we as men doing to prove that we're happy we're here? Are we grumbling in our spirit that this isn't quite what we want it to be? Which one of us wants to see that in our wife? Receive the Lord while he is yet near. Um, so in the power to praise thing, and I had intended for my wife to come up, um, I don't know if she wants to or not, but, um, (laughs) when we, when she was told by the Lord, we're going to lose the baby, we had had a name chosen out, and that was Echo Praise, based on this book that we'd read. We still have an open name, yet we have one more name. The Lord decides to bless us with a girl. She will be Echo Praise. When the ultrasound was done and we found out it was a boy, a whole different paradigm became revealed to us. This is not echo praise. This is Lemuel Hesed steadfast love. Now, I challenge (laughs) y'all how does God prove steadfast love in the loss of a child? Because he seeks our heart. He seeks our heart. He wants us to acknowledge him as being sovereign over the most personal things we have. Okay? What did he demand of Abraham? His son. And it wasn't until his son was willing, or it wasn't until he was willing to sacrifice his son that the redemption came. He had to be fully committed Are we fully committed today? Yes, dear. Are the desires of your heart the Lord or yourself? so there's a, there's uh, a few uh, points there that we wanted to touch upon about processing grief, processing struggle. Um, I can encourage men enough to walk forward in a realm of faith. there will be enough if you are if you are fully enslaved to the heavenly Father, he's going to take care of it there's going to be an answer you may not see it you may not understand it. But things work better if we're fully committed to Him. I could give a thousand examples of that. But anyway. Okay, so, back to, I'm going to go back to the vision side of things. I encourage my young men in my home, build a vision. I touched on that earlier. The men have to seek the Lord the Lord is through, through ministry and gifts of the Spirit and so on. That man is going to be equipped to do a thing for the Lord. Maybe several things. He's going to end up changing through the course of his life to some extent. But he needs to be committed to the Lord and that's, that service. Build a vision. Find what the Lord has for you, specifically. That probably is going to change through your course of your life. But seek him for that. Look for that. Young women, look for men with a vision. Now, I want to point out something to us older men here. How many courtships that struggle would be far more successful if we started from that point? Well, he's handsome. I don't care. (laughs) Well, he's got a nice car, Dad. I don't care. Does he have a vision for the Lord? Well, Daddy's a doctor. I don't care. Okay. Okay. As I look back through, this is my paradigm, the lens of the young folks that I've been seeing get married, and especially the courtships that have been broken off, which usually comes with some pain. It's typically a sad thing. If people would acknowledge the truth before they get to that point, it wouldn't happen. There's usually a difference of vision that causes a break-off. And if, if we'd start from that point and realize that that's what... I mean, young men, find a girl that's supporting... Build a vision. I mean, back to that. Build a vision. And then as you're talking to young ladies, find somebody that has similar, similar perspectives. There will be somebody. The Lord is never not faithful. Okay? You, you can't think, if you're honest with yourself, on this one little time slice of history that we're existing for 70 years that God forgot about you. Amen. There is somebody... There's supposed to be somebody. That's you serving him. He's gonna fulfill that need. And this idea that, well, I wasn't supposed to get married, that is not what the Bible says. That is a church, that is a teaching that has been passed down from church fathers that has no place in a fruitful community. Is there occasionally? Sure, obviously. But no. No. The what 97 or 99% of people are best best performed for Christ being a couple. That's what God has designed, that's his whole purpose. Woman, marry a man planning to support his vision. Fathers, encourage your sons to build a vision that's reflective of their relationship with Almighty God. That should be their first priority. Fathers, teach your daughters to be looking for a man's godly vision and to purpose and to support it. All courtship should start with these two elements being compatible. Now I'm gonna shift gears again. Go to church, especially when you don't feel like it. Okay, this is me. I tend to be an introvert. might surprise you that I'm standing up here in front of you all (laughs) fairly comfortable, Um, but I don't like big groups of people, okay? I'm far better off talking to one or two of you at a time. I can't hear in like the cafeteria environment, so I would typically step outside because I can interact with one or two. But that's me. I'm an introvert in that sense. When I'm in trouble, I withdraw. As a man, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to seek the Lord in my own terms. I might even crawl in bed, pull the covers over my head, and cry a while. Okay? Because life's tough. Don't. Not much. Go to church. I have been blessed more by choosing to go to church when I didn't feel like it than I ever do when I feel like it. Okay? When I feel like it, that's all just good. It's great. Again, it's the praise of the Lord. It's fine. When we submit ourselves to the sovereign duty to God that says, I will join this congregation in praise to him when I don't feel like it, that's when the blessings pour forth. And I have never yet, never, okay, not sometimes, sometimes, Never. I've never yet went to church where I didn't feel like going to church that I came home feeling much better. Okay? Go to church, especially when you don't feel like it. And I say that because in the, in the realm of young men, that tends to be an out. It tends to be a way to process, well, I'm too busy. I, I, know I, I can't right now. No. No, that's the time to go. You need that. You need to feed on... The Lord's waiting at that point. Allow God to shift your paradigm. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Most of us, show of hands here. How many people have heard that verse most of your life, in conjunction and association with the modern church's concept of a salvation verse? It's not. It's an everyday verse. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Okay, you're having trouble? Go get a paradigm shift. The Lord has fruit for you. He has wealth at his table but we have to seek him to get it. It doesn't just show up. We have to desire it with our every every most being. Everything that we have will allow him to shift our paradigm. Except a man, be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. By repurposing and changing how I look at that verse, it has opened up a whole new paradigm to me, a perspective of how the Lord is... Saving me today, okay? So I'm going to shift gears again. This is a tough subject, and I bet (laughs) you, if I was a betting man, I bet you most of you have not actually faced this subject as much as you think you have. Be truthful always. Be truthful always always. What is the script in your head? What makes up you? What are you thinking about a thing? Is it true? Most disunity in the church or in brethren or in the home happens from a difference of expectations. That difference of expectations very commonly goes right back to to, well, I thought my wife said that, and she thought I said that. Well, (laughs) I could be wrong. (laughs) Okay, what is the truth? Can we acknowledge truth in its every inconvenient state? I challenge all of us, and I am at the top of this heap in this subject. I have to face truth where it is. Be willing to submit yourself to examining the opinions of others about your life. So if somebody comes into your life and says, I think thus and so about you, or I think you should do this different, what's our first response? Very commonly, our first response is to be a bit defensive. Well, how dare you say that about me? No. Especially if it's an elder. Why did they say that? Do I serve a sovereign God or don't I? Okay. If a sovereign God brought that elder to me to make this statement, the very least I can do for God is to examine what this elder had to say to me. If I'm not willing to do that, I'm not honoring the elders in my life. And what does it have to say about honoring your parents and the elders in your life? That thy days might be long upon the earth, the Lord has given thee. Why are we struggling? Okay, there's so much messed up about how we're processing information, and we—I've been at this forty years. Like I said, I—we I, were introduced to the identity message forty years ago. Okay, this is not easy yet. Okay, I'm just being fully honest here. This is still not easy. And I'm not saying big lies like, well, yeah, I paid the bill, but I didn't, or, you know, I went and cheated on my wife and said, no, I'm talking the little lies of what was your intent. I said that. Well, no, I didn't mean it that way. Are you sure? Are you sure? What kind of division did you cause in your your realm because you weren't being very kind in that realm? I'm still guilty of this. I'm very sorry to say that, but I'm still guilty of this. Some of my greatest changes have happened because I heard others criticisms of me. Sometimes they weren't true, but my faith and relationship with the Lord grew. Okay? By examining what that person had to say, I made myself go and look at myself and say, "What of this?" So this I didn't write this one down, but this is another sentence in my head to process information. "What of this criticism is true?" Okay? I'm not going to throw the whole thing out. I'm going to say, "What of this criticism is true. Draw the truth from the hard things. Don't, don't just throw the whole thing out, no, that's not who I am, that's not how, no, what, why did they come to me? Why did, why did this get brought to my attention? I serve a sovereign God. If he brought this to my attention, I must examine under the light of truth. Be humble and kind. Practice the pause The tongue is a difficult member to tame, but we owe it to the Lord to bear fruit in this area. Practice the pause. Don't just blurt out the first thing that comes in your mouth. I wish I could say I'm perfect. I'm not. I just just, do as I say, not as I do. Seriously. Okay. Back to what is the script in your head? Are you reflecting the Lord's design or are you reflecting your preference? Okay. As men, you know, we're kind of tasked and obligated to setting up a, a framework of, you know, maybe and that's not the right term, not the right term, but I'll use it, religiosity in the home an expectation, a framework of righteousness or seeking the Lord. That's our responsibility. And so doing so, we have certain standards we have to set up. And when people don't conform to those standards, it's easy to get upset. Well, who am I to get upset and hide on everything the Lord called me to do? Be kind. Be merciful and kind. Do we have to be approving? No, we don't necessarily have to be approving. But we don't have to be horrible about it either. What is the script in your head? Most of the disunity I've personally experienced has come from my script being dishonest and or, or someone believing something of me that's not true. That's typically the two kind of a categories I see people struggle. Okay, And if you go back to you know, any disunity in a, in a home or a church or a relationship, you go back to those two principles, it's typically one person thinking ill of the other or one person thinking something that's just flat out not accurate. And, uh, and of course, some kind of blending in between. But it's, 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 it's really important that we examine that. Each time it happens. Train and discipline yourself in the value of repentance. Okay? Eat crow while it's still warm. I don't think that we... <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think that we emphasize enough the value of repentance. Okay. Repentance puts our heart in a state of change, okay? When I say, no, Lord, I am wrong, okay, now we can do something. When I'm saying, Lord, I wish it were different, or Lord, that's not what I meant, or whatever, we don't get the same result. But when we say, Lord, forgive me. Something I've done has caused this, okay? Train and discipline your children the value of repentance, okay? Okay have their heart. We've got to gain our children's heart every day. It takes 20 positive affirmations to offset one negative. That's psychobabble. Okay. It takes 20 positive how many of you are saying something positive and good to your children before you say no? Okay? Obviously this stuff isn't a perfect science because each, peop- each person receives things differently, but I'm giving some general overviews that these are ways that we need to interact with our children. Are we loving them enough with kindness and, and joy? And, and having that discipline there. Love them to the other side is, is another one that's one of my favorite to, to share with young people that are struggling with their children. Uh, Mennonites are funny. You know, they, they have their own framework. I've been asked by at least three Mennonites in my life because they know I have 12 children. They figure I got it all figured out. I, I don't, but they'll ask me if you could say one thing. What would you say? I say, love them to the other side. Okay, everybody is going through something. Everybody, love them to the other side. That love doesn't always look like approval. Okay, I'm. If, if you're a queer. I might love the fact that the Lord is sovereign in your life, but don't expect me to like it. Don't expect me to be approving. If you decide to go out and get drunk and wreck your car, I love you dearly and I'll come pick you up, but don't expect me to be approving of your behavior, okay? There's, there's standards that have to be kept, but love them to the other side. Realize. That each and every single one of us is a precious creation and mirror of God. See, I stand here, I don't really think I look all that pretty. My back's too long and my legs are too short. And my arms, you know, if I believed in evolution, I'd say my knuckles dragging the ground. (laughs) I have a pot belly like a Scotsman. And I don't really think there's a whole lot to look at here. But I, in my flawed state, am a reflection of the character of God. Okay? So look at your neighbors, look at your friends, look at your congregation, even the sinful ones, and realize that God created them too. We're all at a different place. And maybe we're supposed to minister, and maybe we're supposed to shove them off the cliff. I don't know. But the point being, we've got to be considerate to everybody's position in God's kingdom. One of the lessons, I'll just interject this, this isn't on my notes. I was raised in an identity mentality. So we were sovereign, right? We're the white people. Um, I married a white woman. We have seven children. Life is phenomenal. Um, I just wish the world would get in line and do it like I'm doing it. I was pretty arrogant, I'm sorry to say. Well, when the house fire happened, one of the paradigm shifts for me was the Lord showed me just how horribly wrong I was. Okay? It may come as news to some of us. God's not contained only in this church. Okay, I had a neighbor that we had had many conflicts with. Okay, He was part of the other local church we didn't go to. And we had many, many conflicts with him. And he drove up the next day after the fire, and he handed Christine a $100 bill, and he says, I know we've had our conflicts, but this is different. Y'all need help okay? That's God, okay? And honestly, in the shame of my own personal responsibility, I was humiliated. He poured out coals of fire on my head that time, okay? I changed. The Lord used him to change me. He's still a hard guy to get along with, honestly. I mean, he is, but, but, the, but the truth of the matter is I stopped thinking the same way. Sure. I changed. Paradigm shift, Okay, love on the other side. Sometimes love doesn't look like approval. Okay, brace yourselves, men. Men, learn to repent in front of your family. Just because you're the top dog in your home doesn't make you perfect. Okay? Be transparent. Truth thrives in the light. Be transparent. Okay, there is absolutely no reason why anyone in your family shouldn't have access to your phone. There's absolutely no reason why anyone in your family couldn't turn on your computer. Okay, There should be nothing hidden. The Lord is sovereign. You can't hide anything from Him. If you're doing something you're ashamed of, stop. Just stop. Repent and sin no more. That goes back to the conversation of repentance. Repent and sin no more. That was Christ's ministry to us. Accept it. Be part of that government. We either will or we won't. Okay? A little ahead of schedule here on my notes, but I'll, I'll stay there right now. What does rebellion look like? Okay? People talk about, well, my daughter's doing this or my son's doing that. What does rebellion look like? Are you? Are you guilty of rebellion? I will. I won't. It's that simple. Either I am in submission to the sovereign God's kingdom or I'm not. It's that simple. Cut the, cut the details out. I will or I won't. If I ask my children to do something and it's in God's kingdom and they don't, that's rebellion. Is it willful, angry, temperamental rebellion? No, not necessarily. But now we've got another level to that that needs to be addressed. I moved ahead Not I've got to find where it is. <clears throat> I don't know where it is. Oh, there it is. Um, What does rebellion look like? I will or I won't. Doing something with a bad heart or perspective is an I won't with deception attached. Okay? Did Did you hear that? I will with a bad heart is an I won't with deception attached. You're lying. You're lying. Yeah, Dad, I'll do that. You said so. Okay. How often do we serve the Lord like that? I'll go to church. No. That's not submission. That is not submission to the kingdom. What is the Lord calling you to do? Change. Change. Get the sin out of our life. Nah, eat crow while it's still warm. I've got to say that one again. It's just... Show a heart of submission to the Lord to your children, and they will see a form of Christ. What did Christ do before Yahweh God? He humbled himself, and he said, Not my will, but thine. Okay, this is our Savior. Who am I? Who am I to dare to argue that? This is our Savior. Lord, forgive me. Let me be somewhere close to the submissive as Christ. Our Lord and Savior Jesus admitted his own desires to Almighty God, so why wouldn't you? submitted his own desires to Almighty God, so why wouldn't you? Who is your sovereign? So one of the processes of working with my family is, you know, your fearless leader, I tell them, you know, um, (laughs) is who is your sovereign? Who is your sovereign? Who are you in submission to? Okay? If we're a constitutional republic, is that our sovereign? Is God our sovereign? Is the Constitutional Republic in submission to our sovereign God? If it's not, it's not our sovereign anymore. Okay? I'm not here to address the whole politics of the country. I'm not here for that. But who's your sovereign? Okay? Okay, another tough one. Honestly ask your children what you need to improve on to be a better father for them. You might be surprised on what they suggest. It's not easy. I've had several conversations with the children where just sit down and say, okay, what can I do? What am I doing wrong here? What do you see? What am I hurting? What can I do to be a better father and husband here? Okay. Again, it's not that you have to follow every suggestion, Dad, we need more chocolate. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I'd probably do enough of that for all of us, so no, no more chocolate. Okay, but you, we, again, it, the, the value comes in the examination. What do we fear of examination? If someone, one of the elders in this church, walks up to me afterwards and says, John, you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and you presented that wrong, what do I have to fear of that challenge? I serve a sovereign God. If I've said something wrong, that will be proven out. If I've said something right and they're wrong, that will be proven out. I serve a sovereign God. I should not fear examination. Everything should be transparent. Okay, seek to find the inconvenient truths in your life. Absolute inconvenient truths and then change. It's hard. It's harder than... We can really say, okay, did I look twice when she walked by? You know, you look once, that was an accident. You look twice, that's not. Okay, that's disobedience. Okay, um, that's you know, that's a that's a common one. So that's why I use that reference. But it goes far beyond that. It's the inconvenient truths are might be in your relationship as simple as, well, she always does that. Does she? Does she always do that? Always is a big, that's a big serving. He never does that. Never? Okay, those little catchphrases, believe it or not, cause a lot more disunity than most people recognize. The always and the nevers need to kind of go away. Okay, so to sum it up, get married. Have babies. Be intentional to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Build communities. Hurry a little. Okay? Set aside disunity. Pursue peace even in disagreement. Yahweh will make you better men and women because of it. You will see a slice of what God sees when he looks at you. Okay? If I could give... Okay, why do you have 12 children? Well, because... Heavenly Father, in His design purpose, decided I needed to have 12 children. I understand God so much better now. Every one of those 12 children are different. Okay? They're different in how they process information, they're different on personality, they're different on their gifting. And most of the time, when, you know, I look at Reed's family, you see this, you know, you know they're Reed's sons. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're a cookie cutter. From the outside looking in, there's no differences, right? Or not much difference there. They're, they're, they're very similar. If you look at the Pogue Boys, they're like a stack of beef coming down the street. I mean, it, it, is, what, it is what it is. But when we're put in the position of a, of a husband, of a wife, and you start looking at your gifting of your children, there's nothing similar. Okay? They are so different. That is us to, the, to our Heavenly Father. Okay? I have changed so much by being a father of 12 children, and those are lessons that I would not give up now. Okay? I cannot strongly suggest enough, get married, have kids, it'll be the best thing you ever got trained for. You need it, men. You need to get whooped into shape, I promise you. Okay? A dozen kids will change your whole paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> You thought life was complicated before. I'm telling you. <laughs> my intention in in kind of drawing up the notes and it was pretty haphazard. And I apologize for that. Um, I didn't really give you any Bible verses. I suspect most of the most of the congregation I'm speaking to know what I'm talking about. You know these verses are there, um, but my I guess my purpose was to try and frame out some of the catchphrases that I as a father and husband have clung to, okay, that have shaped how I govern my home, how I expect my children to behave, how I expect myself to behave. And so it was my purpose to start this out by, you know, kind of reading down through those relatively quickly realizing how disorganized they were, but then opening it up to a question and answer. Does anybody have any questions for me? I think wife should all credit too. She, having 12 kids, that's tough on a mother, I know. I, I have two, and it's tough on my wife. So I, I want to share a little bit of, of really actually the divinity there. If you talk about God's divine purpose in our life. When mama was pregnant with me, um, the county nurse came to her and said, You need to abort this baby. You've already got six. You don't need no more. Okay? She did. She came right to the door. Mom bawled for days. It was terrible. But that was in, I was born in 73, so it would have been, I'm guessing early 73, late 72. I don't know which. So you could argue that I almost wasn't here if mama had a different heart. Okay? Christina's mama had lupus. The doctors told she laid in bed for several years during her teens. Um, Her health was horrible. They told her that she shouldn't have children. Period. She's one of two that woman gave birth to, and her only daughter. And she proceeded to then pass away when Christina was 11 to complications with the disease. So she went on to be raised by her stepmom which is a wonderful Christian lady, and I give her a lot of the credit for who my wife is. Um, I have a wonderful relationship with my mother-in-law, which is a (laughs) really nice situation for a son-in-law to have. And I would encourage those that have in-laws, make a point to have good relationships with your in-laws. Stop trying to control their life. Let them be that couple. That's God's design. It's their stamp on them. So back to my wife. When we got married, um, before we got married, of course, back to this vision thing, I didn't see all this then, right? I was just a young guy, forgive me for saying it, horny as all good out, I wanted to have family. Um, I wanted to have family. And she's like, well, how many kids do you want to have? I said, well, you know, our, our, our faith is teaching us we should have a dozen, but that sounds a little overwhelming. So, you know, I guess I'd still like to have a large family, maybe like six. And, no, uh, so she was okay with that. And how many did you say you wanted? four. So she was going to have four. And so that's 10. Okay. When we got to 10, years later. Mom, to four that's 10. You've only been blessed. Yeah, we only had two extra. So we blew right on past that and and exactly what you said. Um, my wife has been the one that's every day getting up, making sure those children are taken care of. She tries to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Are we flawed parents? Yes, we are. If you were to examine us closely, there's plenty to talk about. But she's, she's been there. She's been faithful, even in our difficult times. Back to the covenantal relationship. I've never cheated on her. Okay? We've had a pure and holy relationship in that realm. But losing a baby is not an easy thing. Losing a house is not an easy thing. Okay, moving to Oregon and back with 10 children, that's that's a logistics nightmare. And we bought a dairy farm back here, so I was trying to finish out the work in Oregon, and the dairy farm was running in Wisconsin at the same time. Okay, logistical nightmares. Yeah. She has stood strong beside me every step of the way. And... Uh, I, I, truthfully, I cannot put enough accolades on on her. She she has been, my kids, you know, they'll see us fighting, because we're kind of a sparky couple that way. <laughs> we're either kissing or arguing, you know. Um, I'll tell my kids, you know, they want to take sides, and it's like, kids don't. It's just sort of like that old John Wayne movie, you know, where the, what's the name of that dumb movie? Where, that, what? McClintock, McClintock yeah, that dumb movie. I so said, it's kind of like what we are in that sense, that, don't you pick on my wife, you know. I mean, I, her and I might have a problem today, but don't nobody else pick on her because she stood with me through everything. And that's kind of, kind of a, a reality that I cannot deeply express my gratitude for her and I don't know of another woman on the planet that could have tolerated being married to me. And I don't mean that. I'm not saying that for drama. I'm saying that because I am an obnoxious man sometimes. And I'm really sorry about that but at the same time, I'm very opinionated, I'm very strong-willed, I'm very goal-oriented. When I decide something has to happen, everybody better jump, you know? And that makes for tension, you know? And she's, she's withstood me at times when I needed to be withstood. And that would be another thing that I would suggest that young men recognize, is that if your wife is fighting with you, you maybe better look at what you're doing wrong. Because ultimately, the Lord has put her in your life to balance and guide, too. You are one flesh. If you're fighting with her, it's like hitting yourself in the nose. What are you doing, dummy? Okay. So, yeah, my wife gets all the credit for what we are as a family, and I really appreciate it. Thank you for bringing that up. I intended to have her come up, and I was going to brag on her then, but she's like, well, do I have to get up there? I said, ah, maybe not. (laughs) At some point in time, Um, She has a real heart for this story about Lemuel. Um, She doesn't write. She doesn't organize well. She she struggles with just the typical organization of a family. But when Lemuel came, that woman completely changed. You talk about ministry of a time or ministry of a circumstance. She wrote and she wrote and she wrote. And his whole story is preserved because of that. She changed for that time. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. She shared it with a number of people that were struggling going through losing a trisomy 18 baby. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so she's, she's far more spiritual than she gives herself credit for most of the time. But uh, I am very grateful that she's in my life. To the women, I would say be faithful no matter what. To the men, I'd say earn her faithfulness. Yes. Be faithful yourself. So. Any other questions? My name's still John. John? Yes. Yeah. What does warm crow taste like? Oh, sounds, it sounds an awful lot, it tastes an awful lot like repentance, you know, with a lot of bitterness involved, yeah. <laughs> as far as I can remember, I Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, I don't know that I can argue that point, but I will say that it has been valuable to recognize, you know, in my life, the value of Quickly coming to repentance and saying, guys, I messed up here. And I've done that. I mean, I, I intended to have no. You know, a man's not supposed to brag on himself. And so I said, well, for legitimacy's sake, Noah, maybe you should get up and say something about your father so that they have somebody other than my opinion. And uh, he, he can give lots of stories about Dad's crow. Um, had, to, had to be eaten. Um, like I said, very goal-oriented. Very, when I move in a direction, stuff's got to happen. That tends to be create tension. <laughs> Anything else? Thank you, John. You're Very welcome. Well, John, since your son Noah is here. Maybe he would like to just say something to him. No, I'll leave that up to him.